0: Luke chapter 1 in your Bibles, if you'd like to turn there <clears throat> or in your phones or whatever you've got there, I want to be very short, but I do want to take some time to address the first of, 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 of four messages in a sermon series entitled Christmas is. Oh, it's anybody. Yeah, thank you. Does anybody need a worship guide? Raise your hand. Thanks, Luke. Right here. Good, good. You just raise your hand. And Luke will take care of you. And that's great. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. All right. Christmas is, Christmas is, first of all, joy. And you see the word spelled out right in front of me, joy. We sing songs like joy to the world. And to be honest with you, all of us are experiencing a measure of joy this morning because of what we've just heard. How could you not be in a good mood after hearing 40 children express their uh, love and and admiration uh, for an adoration for their God? And what an amazing program that was. Wasn't that awesome? And uh, we'll say more about that, I'm sure, up after to the, after the second service, and they've got to do that again. But joy is something that I think sometimes eludes us during Christmas time, when joy is truly the spirit of Christmas and the message of Christmas. And so with that in mind, I want to draw your attention to Luke chapter 1, where we see the birth of John the Baptist, who plays a very big role in the Life of Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus. So I want you to notice with me again, and forgive me for being so quick, but I think if you'll listen quick, I can speak quickly and we can get the message just as just as easy. In verse five, it speaks here of the days of Herod. It says there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea. Now, real quick, just a a word about Herod. Herod was a very nasty king. He was a terrible king. In fact, uh, there were things that Herod did that were so despicable that you and I could not even imagine. Uh, It was said of Herod that when Herod needed money, uh, he literally, and historians tell us that there was a time when Herod killed 45 of the wealthiest people in the world... So that Herod could get their inheritances. This guy was just wicked. In fact, he thought at some point that somebody was going to take his kingdom. And it was in his own family. And so he had six of his family members slaughtered. Because he thought they were the ones who wanted to take his place. He was just a very wicked king. So I just want you to recognize that when it says, as in the days of Herod. We're not talking about days that are easy to live in. Jesus was born in a very tough time sometimes I think we think we have it tough with this leader in North Korea let me assure you uh, these were tough times in the days of Herod and then it says there was a certain priest named Zacharias verse 6 says and they were speaks of his wife uh, Elizabeth also in verse 5 and it says and they were both righteous before God so Zacharias and Elizabeth were righteous people They were living lives that were pleasing to God. They walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Well, these were two great people. We have a lot of awesome people in our church. And I can think of husbands and wives who have a desire to serve the Lord and walk with God. But there's always that one gnawing thing that can discourage us. And for them, that was the next verse. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were well stricken in years. You know, it's interesting here to note that they were having a tough time as righteous people, walking with God, doing the right things. Can you imagine maybe Zacharias and Elizabeth even getting to the point where they might say, God, this just isn't fair. You know, we're doing the right thing, and we have no child. In fact, I I quickly noted four of the toughest times in life. And you can mark these down in your notes if you have your notes. Number one. I think one of the toughest times in life is when you're unfed. It's a tough time when people experience a lack of resources to provide for their families. And, you know, sometimes we experience that in our lives. I don't just mean unfed, maybe physically with food, but we just, you know, there's nothing worse than losing a job, especially during Christmas time. And there are many today that are experiencing that trial. Secondly, I wrote this down, when you're unwed, you know, there's people in our church that I'm sure are wondering... Where is God when it comes to sending me my mate, the one who I'll spend the rest of my life with? And there are many singles discouraged and wondering if God really cares about them because he hasn't allowed them yet to meet that one who they'll spend the rest of their life with. That's a trial for many. And then thirdly, I wrote this down, unconnected. You know, it's a tough time in life when you feel unconnected. Oftentimes, people can come to church and and feel like they're not connecting. And that's why we stress small groups and opportunities to spend time with people because it is hard to make it in the Christian life without surrounding yourself with people who are going through the same trials as you are. And then finally, infertile. You know, when you just are wanting to have a child and for some reason it just hasn't happened. And we have people that we're praying for right now that are in that situation in our own church. And that was the situation of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And these people had lost their joy, even though they were in church. And if, if I could contextualize it for just a moment. And, and, and a part of a congregation and, and walking in the commandments of God and doing the right thing. There was something that had taken their joy. Something they were discouraged about. And it was the fact that they had had no child. So I want to give you these four things real quickly. Number one, I want you to notice as we discover how to feel the joy of the Lord. Number one, notice here that I can feel joy when God's presence is revealed. Look with me, if you would, please, at our text in verse 11 and 12 here. It says, and there appeared unto him Zachariah, the priest, an angel of the Lord. There appeared unto him. The presence of God was coming to Zechariah here in this story. And the angel of the Lord was standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So just for a moment, imagine with me, Zacharias standing here about to offer the incense there at the altar. And an angel appears to him. Can you imagine what that would have been like? (gasps) What is this? And who is this? And what's going on here? It doesn't say he walked in or he, he greeted him. It says he appeared to him out of nowhere. And notice the reaction he had in verse 12. And when Zacharias saw him, he was, number one, troubled, and number two, fear fell upon him. He was troubled. You know, oftentimes in Scripture we find when God appears, this is the reaction of people. They're troubled at first. And they're not sure what's going on. And maybe In fact, that's why Scripture says when Jesus is nearing the cross in John 14, it says, Let not your hearts be, what? Troubled. Don't be troubled. Everything's going to be okay. The angel appears to him and the first response of Zachariah is, Whoa, what is this? What's happening? And then it says, fear fell upon him. How often do you hear angels saying in scripture, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Hey, I'm in control. God's in control. I'm, I'm here to bring you good tidings. I've got some good news. And this is what Christmas is all about. It's good news. Jesus is born and and he's in control and he's going to die for our sins. And we're going to be given an opportunity to spend an eternity with him. If we'll but accept his free gift of salvation. And yet sometimes we find ourselves troubled. A common biblical response to the presence of God is oftentimes fear. And I feel joy when God's presence is revealed. And God wants to reveal his presence to you today. He wants you to know that he is here and he's in control and he has come to bring you good news and, and glad tidings of great joy. Number two, I want you to notice that I can feel joy not only when God's presence is revealed, but when God's comfort is experienced. Look at verse number 12 here as we move right through the story. And when Zachariah saw him, he was troubled and, and fear fell upon him. But the angel says to him, fear not not. Your, your version may say, don't be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth, Elizabeth shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Don't be afraid. Do you know what it is like to be comforted by God? To have something in your life that is a trial or a heartache or something that is has come into your life that is is just not so easy to deal with, especially during Christmas time. And I'm thinking about those that we prayed for before the service. And this is a tough time of the year for so many. And God wants to come alongside of them and say, don't be afraid. I've got this under control. I wanna give you my comfort. When someone is sad or when someone is fearful, they need to experience the comfort of God. God is awesome in the comfort category. Can I get an amen right there? He's awesome in the comfort category. Last night, up at the emergency room, there was a lot of fear in that place. And and, and there was concern for for Scott and what was happening and what was going on. And, and you know, it was awesome to watch God move in that room and provide comfort as we prayed and and, and read Scripture and just said, God's in control. And it's going to be okay. And it always is going to be okay if you're a child of God. It's always going to be okay. God is there to comfort us. As a pastor. I often get to be on the get a front row seat to see God's comfort at work, and I got to see that last night, and I got to see it several times this week. It's awesome to see God and His comfort at its best. Number three, I want you to see in this story that we can feel joy when God's provision is detailed. Did you know that God is a God of detail? It's amazing how often Scripture gives us a lot more information than we would have ever imagined. But oftentimes, if you're like me, and maybe you are, we overlook the details. God is a detailed God. Look at verse Thirteen. The whole text gives incredible detail, but just beginning in verse 13, the angel says, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son. I'm, I'm going to give you more information. I'm even going to tell you what his name's going to be called. It's going to be John, which, by the way, that's significant. The word John means uh, that the Lord has been gracious to me and thou shalt have joy. There it is. Does anybody see that? Hey, the text, the, the word is in our text. You're going to have joy, Zacharias. He's like, Yeah, right. I'm going to have joy. I'm, I'm, I'm an old man. I'm well stricken in years. My wife is old. We're past the time of having children. And you're coming to me with this lie that I'm going to have a child. Yeah, right. Joy and gladness. Zacharias isn't buying this. He's the grouchy Christian, like so many are, who just refuse to receive the joy of the Lord. But the angel's trying to give him details. No, no, no. You can really have this joy. You can have joy, you can have gladness, and many are going to rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. They even give the details of greatness. Could I do that in your notes? Could I give you the the five ingredients of greatness in this story? Number one, I want you to notice, it says that one one of the things about being great is this. And he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. John the Baptist, your child is going to be great because he's not going to drink wine or liquor. Wow. In other words, greatness involves setting aside things that do not help us get to our direction. What a great little detail God gives me there. I need to stay away from things that may not be wrong. And I I, I can't say in scripture that drinking a glass of wine is wrong. But I can tell you this. It has kept a lot of people from getting to where God wants them to be. And so God says, separate yourself from that if you want to be great. Secondly, he says, he's going to be great because he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you see that? It's in the list. He's going to be great because one, he's going to stay away from things that would keep him from his destination. And two, he's going to be great because he's spirit filled. I love it. John the Baptist was going to be spirit filled. And this is before he was born. He's getting all this detail. Can you imagine if the angel could come to you or God could come to you and say, this is what your future is. He comes to you this morning and says, this is what your future is. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God wants you to be great in his sight? Number three, it says here that many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Greatness involves helping people to come to know and love the Lord. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be great because he's gonna help people come to know God. Let me ask you a question. Is your life helping people to know and love God more? That's a great, that's a great thought for us at Christmas time. Because that's what greatness involves. Number four, it says that he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. And I wrote this down: greatness involves influencing your generation. Elijah was in the past. And yet he's brought up here because Elijah was a man of great renown. He did great things for God. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not living in Elijah's day. I'm living in 2017. Elijah's dead, but I sure would like for it to be said one day of somebody else. You know, there was a great guy that lived back in 2017 in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and he did some great things for God. And you're living in the spirit and power of Eric. You say, well, why would you say that about yourself? I'm not, actually. I have no idea if somebody's going to be able to say that, but I hope I can live my life in such a way that I influence my generation, that one day people talk about me like they will about Billy Graham and like they will about Dia Moody and like they could about you. You see, we should have a desire to want to influence our generation, the children God's placed in our lives. This is what it's all about. That's why I feel so sorry for churches that are growing old without children. What's the use in having a church if you don't have young people? Thank you for the one amen. It's a truth. A church can only live as long as it has generations that are growing up in it. And living for God. This is awesome, isn't it? And then finally, he'll be great because he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So he'll be great because he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. He's going to turn those that are unjust To have wisdom. In other words, number four, greatness involves bringing people together. He's going to provide unity. He's going to bring people together. He's going to help fathers to get back with their children. He's going to help rebellious people to get back into church. He's going to make people, uh, he's going to help people get prepared for what God has in store for their lives. Notice the details here. The joy comes from detailing what the Lord has done for you. I love that old song When upon life's billows you are tempest tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you. Oh, life is so bad. I'm having such a hard time. I mean, I don't know why everybody's so happy. It might surprise you. If you would list your blessings this week. So I gave you four five lines. Are you happy with me? I gave you an opportunity to list your five blessings. And just in case, I've already written my five down. He healed my body this week. Last Sunday, I was about, I'm telling you, I was out. I mean, I had a headache. My body was aching. And I said, oh God, I don't want to get sick. And I prayed and my wife nursed me back to health. And how do I look today? I've got something to be thankful for, Sonia. My voice is back. I've got energy again. I wrote down, I'm blessed because my family has food, clothing, and shelter. You say, well, duh, of course they do. Oh, so you're taking it for granted. I'm thankful for it. What about this? I got to have dinner with a family in our church this week. I got to have dinner with Wayne and Barbara Bur- uh, uh, Burrows. We had fun. At Cracker Barrel. And guess what happened? We we got our meal. The ticket came back. It was $52 for the meal. And then Carrie Cuneo walked up and said, hey, it's friends and family day. I can give you 45% off. And I went, what? Our meal went from 50 to like 32. Wow. You say, well, lucky. Huh, blessed. I wrote down, uh, Champion Christian College beat National Park College in double overtime. <laughs> and then I wrote down, I have a church that loves children, and I can be a part of this this morning. So write something down. Then quickly, and we're done. Number four, I feel joy when God's grace is embraced. I can feel joy when God's grace is embraced. Let me finish with this, and we're, it's perfect. I've, I've gone about fifteen minutes, but let me finish two minutes. And Zacharias, verse eighteen, Zacharias says to the angel, "Now wait a minute, church. Think about this. Don't miss this. Wait a minute. The angel has just unloaded all this good news, all this joy, all this amazing stuff. You're going to have a child. He's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be. And here's here's Zacharias's response." Whereby shall I know this? I'm an old man and well-stricken in years. By the way, let me just say this: if you're old and I'm getting old, our best days lie ahead, Neil. What do you think? Are you giving up yet? Dave, are you getting up yet? I'm 60 I'm 52. I think Dave's 60, 61. I'm getting there. Can I tell you? I don't care if you're 50, 60, 70, or 80, you may be a little old and well-stricken in years, but your best days lie ahead. There's nothing like being a grandpa. There's nothing like being a senior citizen, influencing a younger generation to love God and to to obey their parents. Amen. I'm just excited about being old. This is going to be a great life. Zachariah says, yeah, nothing to look forward to. I'm old, well-stricken in years. And the angel says to him, okay, Gabe, I see how you are. I see your attitude. He said, uh, And the angel says, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. And I'm sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, you're going to be dumb. You're not going to be able to speak. Since you don't believe me, since you're taking this negative attitude, I'm going to take your voice away for nine months. The whole time your wife's pregnant, you're not going to be able to speak. You're going to be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because Look at this. It's in your body, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And were they ever fulfilled? Look at verse 58. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And the mother answered said, nope, not Zacharias. His name shall be called John. It's not going to be Zacharias, it's going to be John. The angel said to call him John. John means the Lord shall be gracious to us. And they said to her, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father. I guess he was deaf too or something. I'm not sure how he, how he would have called him. And he asked for a writing table. And John, the, uh, Zacharias wrote, his name shall be called J-O-H-N. And they marveled. And his mouth was opened. And look at the first thing he did when his mouth opened. He said, I've had enough of this being stupid. I'm going to rejoice and praise God. And that's exactly what he did. His mouth opened and he went, "Woohoo! Praise God! That's what some of us need to do. Some of us need to go from being grouchy and negative and woe is me to God is gracious. God is awesome. This is what it's all about. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. say yeah but i don't have i don't have this or i don't have that don't covet your neighbor's wife don't covet your neighbor's things we heard that this morning let's be thankful for what we've been given god's been so good joy to the world and so christmas is joy do you have it or are you like zacharias which one Maybe you'd feel better. Maybe you'd get your hearing back. Maybe you'd get your sight back. Maybe you'd get your health back. You know, a lot of people today have physical ailments because of negativity in their lives. You'd be surprised at how joy can heal your soul, your body, your mind. joy is some of the best medicine you'll ever take. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And as our children come and we pray.